Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. He sounds pretty good. He sounds pretty articulate. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Yeah, here we go, live from the Auction Community Studios. It is the Wolf and Luke Show. I'm Luke. Wolf, we have a chance here to see the Suns tie their franchise record for wins tonight and do it at the expense of Draymond Green and the Warriors. Wouldn't that be sweet? <laughs> you know, he just uh, doesn't it figure that the Phoenix Suns would get the opportunity to tie that record against Golden State, a team that many, many people believe will be the team in the Western Conference that, if in fact they play, has a chance of beating the Phoenix Suns. I don't know about this, what's going on, the injury situation with Steph Curry, of course. Um, supposedly he's going to be out another week. Who knows? But Draymond Green as well. They've tried to manage his load and his minutes. Um, it just it looks a little cattywampus over there from Golden State's perspective. Yeah, it does. Um, <laughs> you just said a lot right there because Steph's not back yet, and that wasn't necessarily expected. Draymond Green didn't play on Monday, and it wasn't like he got hurt. They were just managing his minutes, okay? But it's not like he's playing a ton of minutes either. He came back March 14th, and he's played 20, 22, 18, 29, 24, and 26. He hasn't hit double-figure scoring in any of those games. I know he does other stuff. But still, he's averaging 4.2 points per game since he's come back. Yeah. The Warriors are like, uh, the thought with them, if you think they're going to go far, you are 100% banking on they're going to flip the switch when the playoffs start. Correct. Which they might. Yeah. Which they might. I, I just don't know if the evidence is there. Uh, Draymond Green, in particular, I'd say, look at his minutes right there. I mean, a back. Have you ever had a back? Yeah, have you ever it's had, not great. Okay. I hurt my back early oh playing my hockey. Goodness. Yeah. Man, I'll tell you what. You tweak your back, base and earnings. Anybody that is a gardener, anybody that's out there kicking around the green stuff, you know exactly what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about in regard to actually... Man, you tweak your back, and now all of a sudden you can't do anything. From you can't tie your shoe for the most part. It's it's something you got to be very very careful coming back. And obviously, Golden State, the Warriors, they feel the same way. Who would have thought going into the playoffs, Clay Thompson would be the healthiest of Golden State's big three? <laughs> I mean, he was yeah. supposed to be the biggest question mark. He hadn't played in basically two years, and now. You got the Steph injury, you got the Draymond, uh, I mean, he's had this injury, he's working his way back from it, but here's the other shift. Wolf, Golden State's in third now in the Western Conference, okay, and they are five games behind Memphis. Remember when it was like, hey, Memphis might catch Golden State? Mm -hmm. Memphis has passed them by five games, and if you want to take it a step further, Golden State's only one game ahead of Dallas for third. So it's entirely possible Golden State could drop to fourth. And if that's the case and they're not fully healthy, they'd have to go through Utah in the first round not fully healthy. So am I going to pick Golden State over Utah? Yeah, probably. But if you're telling me Steph's still banged up and he's working his way back and Draymond Green's got a back injury, at a certain point I'm going to take Donovan Mitchell in the Jazz. Interesting right there. Yeah, I, I would agree with your assessment on that. Um, what are you looking for tonight, though, Luca? What What is the one thing you want to see tonight? Is there anything that piques your interest yes. at all? What is it? Vengeance. Vengeance is mine. <laughs> I see, <laughs> says Luke Lipitsky. Golden State is the only team that has beaten the Suns twice this season. It's the only team the Suns actually have a losing record against this season. And you might say, okay, big deal. You know, there, you could look at those two games. And, you know, one of the losses, okay, you're playing Golden State. One of the other ones, you no know, Devin Booker, second half of a back to back. It's easy to justify 
that they're one and two against the Warriors, and also they're sixty one and fourteen. So who really cares? Except they care. And how many times have we seen this? And you know, you saw the Suns go out there and beat Miami. You see the Suns go out there and beat these other teams that they've lost to, and they're like, "Yeah, we had this game circled because we owed them one." There's a pretty good chance. The Suns are going to go into Golden State tonight, win, tie the franchise record, and we're going to hear Devin Booker or somebody after the game say, yeah, we owed these guys. We've lost to them twice this year. You know, it's not only that, too, because once again, a lot of people believe that Golden State, you've been talking about it for months, you believe that Golden State is the one team that could, when healthy, give the Suns a run in the postseason at some point in time. I agree with that assessment right there. When you're talking about Steph Curry, you're talking about Draymond Green, you're talking about Clay Thompson. Of course, Steve Kerr, they've been there before. They have their own culture as well. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. They are dangerous. But the one matchup that I'm looking for specifically tonight is Mikel Bridges and Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I'm just saying you right now. I mean, that to me, look, um, I am really, really big base and onions. As you all know, I am really, really big when it comes to the individual matchup, not only on a football field, but on a basketball court as well. The pitcher hitter, the matchup. I love those individual matchups that are out there. And when I, when I think of this game with Clay Thompson and Mikel Bridges, um, Okay, you know what? Whatever team wins, that's great. But there's going to be some Sicilian messages as well that are going to be sent one on one individually between guys like Mikael Bridges and Clay Thompson. I, I can't wait to see the competitiveness of these two men and how they come out and how they ball. That is one I'm looking at immediately. Yeah, especially, especially the Clay Thompson part of that because the Suns haven't faced Clay Thompson. Since March 10th of 2019. Because he hasn't played them yet this year. That's, that's, that's some things have changed in the last three years. I can't even believe you just said that. And And yet I know you're accurate. Yeah. Uh, And, and I just double checked it just to make sure I was accurate too. But I mean, as I've said on the show numerous times, Wolf, the only thing that's really gotten better in the world in the last two years is the Phoenix Suns. So. Clay Thompson, the the Suns team that he's going to see tonight is a lot different than the one he saw on March 10th of 2019. Yeah, and, you know, once again, Mikael Bridges, I think, is going to get that cover right there with Clay Thompson. That's going to be very interesting to watch. Just the overall competitiveness. Again, the paradigm is completely different when you don't have Steph Curry out on the court. That is a serious, um, that is a, a serious minus. Let's put it that way for the Golden State Warriors. And it's not, it, it, it impacts their offense in a negative way. So even though Mikael Bridges, um, is not going to be operating in the same paradigm that he will be operating if they meet him again in the postseason with Steph Curry. He still can individually mm-hmm. go and compete against Clay Thompson. And Mikael Bridges is a completely different player from the last time that Clay Thompson saw Mikael Bridges. <laughs> yeah, he was he was barely in the league at that point. Uh, here's Money Williams talking about Clay. He's Clay. I mean, I, I've seen him. You know, have nights where he goes, you know, for high 30s. And I've seen him, you know, have nights where he's doesn't look like he's been out for as long as he has. I mean, he's, he's Clay. He's one of the most dangerous players in the history of the game and, and one of the more efficient players in the history of the game. So uh, it, it does take you a while to find 
that rhythm that you had, especially when you've been out two years, I would imagine. I mean, that's hard, but he doesn't look like a guy that's been out two years. I mean, the first game back, he went down the lane and banged it on somebody. That, that speaks to the work he's put in. So our guys have played against him for many, many years, and I'm sure they're looking up, looking forward to that challenge. That challenge right there. There it is. And Mikael Bridges is the first guy that I think of with that challenge. Love that kind of stuff. Loved playing. I used to love playing against guys like Mike Singletary, who was a Mike inside linebacker. Google it, my young crunks. Mike Singletary, one of the best inside Hall of Fame Mike linebacker, Mike Singletary. We used to call him Sing Sing <laughs> because... <laughs> There was a really good chance you were going to be in prison when you were when you were playing against Mike Singletary. Sing Sing was his nickname out there, and I can tell you right now, just the the matchup of playing against him, you had to bring it, and that's why I'm fascinated because I do believe we're going to see Mikel a lot on Clay Thompson, and that's going to be a bloodbath, metaphorically speaking. Yeah, I mean. Your point's well taken. What if we're, we're talking here tomorrow? Like, if we're talking the Suns beat the Warriors, I don't think anybody's going to look and say, okay, well, Golden State's done that. Yes. Now, you may, if you're the Suns and you beat the Warriors, you may be setting yourself up to play Golden State in the second round. Just be aware of that. I don't, I, that big deal. Like, I don't think you're going to run from that if you're the Suns. In fact, I know you won't. But just be aware if Golden State keeps losing and uh, and Dallas keeps winning, your second round matchup is probably going to be Golden State. But if we come in here tomorrow and it's like, yeah... The Suns won, and Clay Thompson only had like twelve points. Yeah, I mean that that does bode well for whenever these teams meet again in the playoffs, if they do, because it's, yeah, the dynamics going to be different if Steph's there. I don't know that you can just snap your fingers and make Draymond suddenly healthy and he can play forty minutes. I, I don't, I don't know that you can wish that into existence. If you're the Warriors, you can try, but that doesn't make it so. I would imagine at this point in time, right now, if they don't start ratcheting up his minutes, what are they doing? What is going on? Why are they not doing that? It's a lot of ifs with Golden State all year, right? Yeah. yeah well, if Clay comes back and if they stay healthy and if James Wiseman's not coming back, which means at some point Draymond Green's going to have to play a lot of minutes and Steph's hurt right now and there's a week and a half left in the season. Still a lot of ifs. Yeah. Still the most dangerous team outside the Suns, I would say, but there's no ifs with a lot of these other teams. All right, uh, when we come back, how does Lorenzo Alexander feel about the overtime rule change in the NFL? We're going to ask the 15-year NFL veteran next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. I want to know who my representative is. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. How can I explain Louisiana. Murder on the beat. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, we got Lorenzo Alexander joining us right now. Um, Zo, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just warn you. I don't know if you know Wolf's stance on the new overtime rule, but just be prepared. He has a, uh, he has a very strong opinion on this. But, uh, but Zo, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Um, everything's going well. Just uh, enjoying life. You know, the kids doing well in school. Uh, you know, got a job opportunity on the horizon. So uh, things Ooh, are going well. For you. Do you care to divulge what that is, though? Or <laughs> well, uh, you know, potentially have an opportunity to work with the PA further after I've retired and no longer on the executive committee to just continue to help young men. Um, 
learn the business, right? Become better leaders and become more impactful with their platform. So looking forward to that. If I, if I'm, you know, uh, they could, enough to receive that. Nice. could not have picked a better guy. though. seriously, man, how's your bracket though? I mean, uh, how is your, bracket? you know, dude? that's something I've never gotten into. I, really? I don't like gambling in the sense anyway. And then that, I mean, I, I can't control. I just like to sit and watch just good basketball. And I, at the end of the day, Cal's not in it. So I don't really <laughs> care about it, you know, outside of watching good basketball and help my kids learn how to play uh, better basketball as well. All right, so we we got to get to the new overtime rule in the NFL, um, where in the playoffs now each team's going to get at least one chance with the football. Uh, I yeah, I don't totally see how this helps. Wolf is, is a lot more upset about it, but I want to get your thoughts on it, just where you think this potentially does or doesn't help. I mean, I don't think it hurts anything at the end of the day, but I'm a traditionalist and I like the sudden death. I mean, if anything, let's make it let's make it easier to play defense, right? Uh, you know, we've made it so offensive-centric, and so that's why you have, you know, what, in the playoffs, 10 of the 12 teams that get the coin toss first. Normally in the playoffs, you're playing elite quarterbacks. You made it really easy for them, so of course they're going to go down and score the first touchdown. So now we, we can just continue to, to placate the offenses, um, in my mind. Um, but we've also seen defenses go out there and stop them. And it's, and it's such a small sample size, but, you know, that's the league. They're trying to... Uh, uh, showcase their, uh, you know, their quarterbacks. And it's been a quarterback league for a long time. And now if you have a Tom Brady and a Pat Mahomes or a Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, you know, duking it out, now you get to see their, their marquee players both have an opportunity to go down there and score a touchdown. Um, especially since, you know, if you think about it from a defensive perspective, as I, I talked about earlier, it's so hard to play defense. If you play in one of these guys and they get the ball first, it's almost, you know, imp- I'm not going to say impossible because guys have done it. Two teams have done it. Um, stop them, especially if they're rolling at a high level. If the game goes in overtime, normally it's a, a pretty good offensive day out there. Yeah, you know, I've got so much to say about that, Zoe, but here's my solution to all of this for the most part, and that is eliminate the coin toss. Just take the coin toss out of the equation. The home team, the home team, the home field advantage. They've always had the home field advantage. Mm. The home team will get the ball. If you go into overtime, the home team will get the ball first. Now, all of a sudden, you can strategize. If you're the road team, you can strategize. And it, it's something that I think fixes a lot of the problem. Hey, listen, if you've got an opportunity to win it in regulation, go win it. Don't kick the field. I've always been a proponent, always been a proponent that the coach, the, the, the road head coach, owes it to his guys to kick the extra point and go into overtime. If, in fact, that's how you tie the game up. Right. To get, you owe it to your boys to go out there, kick the extra point because it's a much higher percentage chance of going into overtime and then go win it, win it in overtime. Um, now you can change that strategy and say, Hey, maybe we're going to go for two. If we score a touchdown and we have a chance to tie the game up or win it, we'll go for two because you're going to get the ball first in overtime. Eliminate the coin toss. And it changes an awful lot of things. Your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, of course. That I mean, it's going to change the way people's behavior towards winning or losing or tying it or going for the win because now you know who gets the ball, right? You know, right now you don't know, so you still have hope. But if you figure that if I tie right now and the percentages say analytically, because that's what all the coaches use anyway, that the home team is going to get the ball, so therefore my chances of winning at that point 
go down drastically. I, 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 you know, to your point, if a team has uh, the away team has the ball, they're going to go for the win. But if the home team has it, they probably let me tie it. I'm about to get the ball right back after I went down and scored. I got some momentum. And I get the ball back again. So I mean, I, I, it, you know, it works out. Whatever, whatever rule they they do is fine. I just think sometimes it's just an overreaction. Everybody's had a fair opportunity within the sixty minutes. The defense should have stopped them, or the offense should have scored another point. Whatever that looks like throughout the the course of the game. But I don't necessarily feel like you know everybody has to get an opportunity in overtime. It's extra time. You should have handled your business in the sixty minutes that we've been given. But you that's know just, what? That's exactly, just me. Yeah. exactly. That's how I feel. But so it's like, it's also a situation where football, man, the game of football has three phases: offense, defense, and special teams. It has three phases. Hey, you, hey, so all you need is an opportunity to make a play, right? That's yeah. all you need. Make an oppor- Give me an opportunity to make a play, especially being the edge rusher that you were. Give me that opportunity to make a play, man. I mean, I, I just I can't stand it that now all of a sudden we can't look at defense like you could go out and make a stop. Yeah, and, and the game we're talking about came down to a lack of execution. And 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 uh, Sean said that McDermott said that after the game it was a lack of execution. It wasn't that we didn't get our opportunity. It, it, if you watch the game, the last thirteen seconds, which everybody's in an uproar about. I mean, if they execute at a higher level, um, then the, you, we're not even talking about this, right? Yeah, now. yeah. More more if they don't have Tyree Kill, like they don't now. See, and that's why I think it's an overreaction from the league. Yeah. So, what did you think about that? I think it was Ian Rappaport that had the uh, the report yesterday that it was the owners overwhelmingly wanted this, but like we played a clip of Mike Tomlin, and supposedly a lot of the coaches felt the same way, where the coaches really didn't want it, and Tom, and not all of them, but Tomlin especially was like, no, I, right, it's sudden death, like let's decide this the way we've always decided it. Yeah, right now. Uh, and there's a couple other things. And, I, you know, I'm, with them changing the role, I'm glad they just kept it with uh, the playoffs and not the regular season. Because, I mean, the more games you play, obviously in the playoffs, you just you don't care about your body. But you, you're also talking about a player health and safety thing. As these games get longer, both teams get opportunities. Those are more plays on more, more guys' bodies as well. But, again, I, I, I'm still a, a traditionalist, and everybody doesn't need a chance. This is professional sports. <laughs> Um, and I need to do my job at a high level to stop the other guy. And if I can't do that, I've, I've had 60 minutes and now I get an extra time to go. I get another opportunity to go do it and I can't do it again. Then, then they deserve to beat me. Yeah. Uh, and that's just how I, and that's just how I feel. I mean, I don't think it's going to change my mind, but again, the league wants to put their best on display. And obviously, over the last 10 to 15 years, that is all towards the offense and quarterbacks. That's why they make all this money, and that's why they're making all this guaranteed money now. And so they want to give those guys an opportunity to showcase who they are and really validate why these owners have spent so much money on them by giving both of them an opportunity to go down there, score, and show their value and worth. Yeah, for me, I just I can't get over it. It's, the, it's not fair. And yeah, you know right. what? Let me tell you something right now. <laughs> Trying to block Lawrence Taylor isn't fair either. Right, right. It's oh, not oh, fair. LT, sit down, man. You can't rush on third downs. You know it's a passing down, so I want you to it's go sit on the bench, just, right? It drives me nuts, though. It's I can't handle it. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you, Wolf, all day. Zoe, we appreciate the time, man, and good luck with everything you're working on. I appreciate you guys. Thank you, Zoe. Thanks a lot. That's Lorenzo Alexander joining us. That guy's always working on something. He's always got like five things going on. You want to talk about a capable human being. Yeah. This guy.
He's one of the most capable human beings you're ever going to meet. Yeah, and I and I have to think his his stance on it probably pretty consistently reflects the uh, a typical player's stance on it, right? I mean, I'm guessing most players are like, yeah, we we can decide this in 60 minutes, and if we can't, then we, it, most most playoff games don't go overtime anyway. Like I know it feels weird to say that after these playoffs we just saw, where it felt like every playoff game was going overtime, but. Overreaction is probably the best way you can put it. Just eliminate the coin toss. Home team gets it. It's a home field advantage. It's what it is. Just eliminate the coin toss, and now you can strategize. You know exactly what you're in for if you're the road team. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. All right, coming up. How crucial is it for the Suns to get back Cam Johnson early before the playoffs? We'll explain that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Suns Day, brought to you by Four Peaks Wow Wheat, on the home of Phoenix Suns Basketball, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station, Suns Day, with Wolf and Luke. Yeah, Suns Warriors tonight, that of course means we'll be talking to uh, K-Ray here in a little bit, but for right now, Wolf, let's look at the fact that Cam Johnson is not back tonight. I don't think anybody expected that he would be necessarily. Um, still dealing with... day to day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's got that quad, that day-to-day quad. That, what is now being called a, well, I'm looking at two different reports that say right quad contusion yeah, and right quad bruise. Wow. So either way, he's well, not playing today. I would say the contusion happened first and then the bruise. And that led to a bruise. It, so, just, it was a bruise. <laughs> wait, so since neither one of us is anywhere near qualified to make these doctoral decisions, <laughs> is a bruise a contusion that has started to heal? Um, yes. Is it? Yeah, that's right. what it is right there. It's why it's all purple and nasty and uh, gross. Yeah, no doubt. It's starting to heal. Starting to understand why you're but not a contusion a doctor. immediately. When you look at the contusion, <laughs> your, your have you ever bed, had a contusion? Your bedside manner as a doctor. Oh, doctor, yeah. what's wrong with my quad? <laughs> Ugh, gross. Man, you're nasty. Yeah. <laughs> you're so, dude, don't worry about it. You're just nasty, okay? You're day to day. Um, yeah, but you know what? Honestly, that deep bone bruise, man, that is, that is the, that is what a contusion is right there. It, it is, it is a bruise to the bone. And then, of course, the bruise is healing. Well, Cam Johnson's last game <laughs> was a 38-point performance against the Knicks. We didn't even worry about contusions back when I played. I mean, a contusion, the entire game of football was nothing but contusions. And sometimes it happened right above your eyes, the contusion, right on the eyebrow, if you know what I mean. Then it hurt. So Trust six, me on that. 60 minutes of contusion Contusions. plus potentially overtime. That's exactly right. But I digress. His last game was that 38-point outburst against the Knicks, which is now almost four weeks ago. That was March 4th. Wow. Um, and it raises the question, because we, you know, we talked about this when, when Chris Paul was working his way back, and I think you and I were pretty much on the same page. Okay, it would be, it'd be great to have Chris Paul back, give him a game or two before the playoffs. And more so, not even for Chris Paul, but just to get everybody on the team back on the same page. Um, this is Cam Johnson himself giving a rehab update from yesterday. Uh, I'm getting there. Um, just trying to move and just gain some comfort with movement. That's really the goal today. Cardio and comfort with movement and uh, just trying to find a little bit of flow with that, um, taking some contact and, and that sort of thing. So, Chris... <laughs> must have been some contusion, dude. <laughs> 
I'm just saying right contusion. now, once again, man, I just, and it can happen. There's no doubt. It can happen where you get that deep bone bruise on the quad. Oh, oh, have you ever, have you ever tried to actually do a full squat when your quad is bruised? Yeah. Oh, you want to hear some grown men scream? It's not great. Oh, my goodness. It is one of the most brutal things. And, of course, the trainers, they can't wait to actually do it to you just to make you bend and hear you cry, <laughs> even though I didn't cry. But the scream was there. Trust me on that. Um, More from Cam Johnson about the timing of his injury. Yeah, because, you know, rhythm is is king in this league. And I felt like that game and a couple games before I was, you know, finding that and uh, getting shots to fall. Um, so, I, you know, it's part of the game. You got to go back out there and do stuff like this to, to reestablish it. Yeah, so that, I guess just to complete my very roundabout point, I wasn't worried about Chris Paul getting back early. Cam Johnson, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. They're obviously still winning games without him. But he just said it right there. He was playing maybe the best basketball of his career when he got hurt. <laughs> And now it's like if if he isn't back until game two of the first round of the playoffs, I think there's more of an impact on how he's going to perform than there would be on Chris Paul. Would you agree? Yes, I would agree on that. And I think there are a lot of people that do. There are some people that walk around and they're mumbling to themselves in the compound about Cam Johnson. And, man, what are they doing? They shouldn't bring him back. <laughs> Don't bring back Cam Johnson. Don't run him back. I Every player is different in his approach. Um, where Chris Paul, speaking of CP3, Chris Paul, I think, is a guy that wants to get out there and play. If he's healthy, he wants to play. If he's 100%, he wants to go right now. You know, I, I don't know. Cam Johnson may say, I, I need every game that I can get to get back into that rhythm. Maybe Cam's like, hey, listen, I, I feel good if you give me four games. You give me four or five games. Maybe Cam is one of those guys. I, I don't know. I do know that every player is different. Every brain is different. And because of that, you've got to approach it differently based on what the subject, that being the player that has the injury, is telling you as a trainer and as a coach and as a general manager. Monty Williams said he hopes to have Cam back by next week. We don't have any updates on that, but he's, he's progressing in a good place. Um, we're hopeful to see him um, within the next week. But as far as an official update on when he will play, we're not quite sure yet. Just kind of waiting to see as far as him responding to the workouts and stuff he's been through. I like Monty Williams a lot. I get the feeling one of his least favorite things to do is to give injury updates. Yeah. I don't blame him. <laughs> There's no doubt. He's not good at it. He's not good or at it. Or he's really good at it. It's always vague. <laughs> but, Monty, you're doing a great job of it, I might say. You're not good at it, but you do a great job, if you know what I mean. Uh, but Why I did- would you give any aid, comfort, or shelter to your opponent by offering up information on one of your injured guys? You wouldn't. Um, He did say this, though. He wants to get a few games with his full team before the playoffs, which is something you and I, and I'm sure others, but you and I have said it quite a few times on this show. It's not that the Suns need it. It's not like they have to win those last couple games. It would just be good to see the Suns at full strength a couple times before they play either probably Minnesota or the Clippers. I think we want to try to get a few games with the whole team. We haven't had that. With the inclusion of Torrey, it's been in and out as far as guys being in and out of the lineup 
So if we can get Cam back, we'll have a chance to put our, our normal rotation together. That, that'll be a good thing. Yeah, that'll, that'll, it's going to be great to see Cam Johnson back. Man, he was taking off, was he not? Mm, yeah, this is a guy, 38 points. This is a guy, I'm not just talking about that game, though. Um, Cam Johnson this season, very much like Mikael Bridges. Oh, my goodness. The improvement is stunning when you think about it. It is truly incredible how much better those two guys are when you talk about being complete players. The month of December, Cam Johnson hit double figures every game. Okay. And then, you know, the numbers are kind of up and down again a little bit and uh, just scoring, I'm saying, in, in January and February. But from February 25th on, and this is when the Suns started to have injuries. 24th on. It was 21 points, 15, 23, 20, 38. Those were his last five games before he got hurt. And they needed it at that point. You didn't have Chris Paul. You didn't have uh, Devin Booker for a little bit of that. You didn't have campaign. Like they, I remember asking the question at the All-Star break, okay, who's going to score? Who's going to pick up some of the scoring here from, from the guys that they're missing? It was pretty clearly Cam Johnson until he got hurt. Now, that's the thing about the Suns team is he got hurt, too, and they just kept winning. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, and this it's is unreal the, when you go back and look at it. This is one of the things, too, about this team and playing in the NBA Finals and winning two games, the first two games of the NBA Finals. The, we looked at this roster and we said, these young guys, the experience of being there, going to the Finals, having a chance to actually compete it's going to make them better. And guess what has happened this season? Macal Bridges, Cam Johnson, Campaign, DeAndre Ayton. Those four guys in particular have gotten better. That's, and when you talk about the Suns, it's not Devin Booker and Chris Paul. They've always been Devin Booker and Chris Paul. It's those four guys that have improved dramatically, in my opinion, this year. Yeah. That makes them so much better. Coming up, the Cardinals are built on offense, but do they have a hole in their wide receiver room that still needs to be addressed? It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. This world will never be what I expected. Uh, We've been hearing more and more from Cliff Kingsbury this week, obviously, with the league meetings, and he gave an update on DeAndre Hopkins, first of all. Yeah, I expect him to be fully back um, sometime in the next couple of months, and he looks great. He's been at the facility working out, and so excited to see what he can do. Apparently, Wolf, everybody's been at the facility working out after we saw that J.J. Watt video yesterday. Just one JJ, big workout but, party. But, 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 but. <laughs> uh, trying to figure that one out. I, yeah, I, I, I think there was a hidden message in there that uh, people have made too big of a deal out of the Kyler Murray stuff. But uh, when your agent sends something out and makes a big deal out of it, <laughs> that's when I... Because there were stretches, I'll be honest. It, it, there were stretches when we were first talking about the, the Instagram being scrubbed where I was like, this isn't... I was just thinking in my head, like, this isn't good. But I don't want to make too big of a deal out of it because, to a certain extent, that's probably what what the goal was. But the second the agent starts just publicly negotiating and attacking the team, nobody's making too big of a deal out of it. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Uh, here's Next. more from Cliff on uh, on how DeAndre Hopkins 
his absence impacted the team last year. You know, after doing some reflection, the biggest thing was when we lost Hop, I, I didn't do a good job schematically adjusting some things that, that could have taken some pressure um, off of Kyler, I think. Uh, you lose a piece like that, you, you got to find a way to be more creative, I think, and, and uh, i got to be better at that. But I, I think we've, we've improved each year offensively. Obviously, didn't like the way we finished, but we got to continue to be creative and, and try to put Kyler in positions to be successful and surround him with uh, talent that, that can make plays. Yeah, and you know what? Ding, ding, ding. I totally agree with what Cliff Kingsbury is saying right there. Yet at the same time, um, I did not believe that it was going to have the impact that it had on Kyler Murray. I, I, I look back on it and I, I remember saying it at the time, you know, they've got so many weapons, so many other weapons. And yeah, we're talking about one of the best receivers in the National Football League and what a big loss D Hop was. There's no denying that. Yet I just could not see how much Kyler Murray relied on DeAndre Hopkins to clear up coverage for him and his reads. See, now that's interesting that you say that because I remember doing the show the day after the Green Bay game when he first got hurt. And you pointed out, look, it's not just what DeAndre Hopkins does. It's what he does to the other defense, whereas the Cardinals, you can look and say, well, the defense has to do this because of DeAndre. When you know what the defense is going to do, it makes your offense a lot more efficient. Um, it, but Kyler at that point was spreading the ball so he well. He was he was doing such a great job distributing the football. And the Arizona Cardinals were, they were 50-50, man. They were run-run. They were run-pass. So doesn't that put some pressure or some emphasis maybe you do need to draft a receiver here either this year or next year because deandre hopkins isn't going to play forever right i mean kyler murray is going to be a cardinal in theory longer than deandre hopkins is so it would be nice to find that next receiver not that you need him this year or next year or probably even the year after but i don't know that you can count on ripping off the houston texans again in two years yeah. If, if you're looking to, you have to add a receiver here this offseason anyway, whether it's through free agency or a trade or, or draft pick. Yeah. You know what? I, I'd like to have a wide receiver through free agency, I think. Somebody that could run and get over the top. The problem is there's not a lot of guys there aren't any. that are out there. <laughs> hey, look, you know what? I, if you've got a wide receiver that can run and get over the top and make plays down the field, <laughs> offensive coordinators covet. What does it covet, Clarice? They covet that in their offense. To have a guy that can run over the top. Um, Valdez Scantling. And it's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm, I'm amazed the Green Bay Packers, they, they must have really had no money whatsoever <laughs> because if they take a loan it. from Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Devontae Adams, we'll see you later. And, um, you know, we're going to let Valdez Scantling go. As well, because that guy, now what are they looking for? They're looking for that guy. Um, bringing a rookie in, the Jamar Chases of the world are few and far between that come into the National Football League right out of college and roll. And he rolled. There's no doubt about it. What's so amazing about it is in preseason, people were calling him a bust. Yeah, because he couldn't him, catch, remember? He kept dropping everything. He had drops all over the place. They were calling him a bust, and we all know what happened to him. Oh, my goodness, Jamar Chase. But rarely. That is the exception 
to the rule where you're going to have a wide receiver come in and make that big of an impact immediately. Typically, it's running back you can do that, it's cornerback, and it's the edge. Those three positions right there. Running back, hey, listen, guess what? A running play is a running play, and so many running backs, they have the vision. They have the vision, they have the quickness, and if that vision tells them to run to daylight, it's just instinct. So much of the time, that's what it is. Now, where running backs do struggle a little bit is where they're in flare control, in check down, and coming out of the backfield, and picking up blitzes. That's where they will struggle, but a lot of running backs rookie running backs, can actually make a contribution to a football team because it's just running the ball. And Mama and Papa takes over at that point in time. Kind of like a corner. You're out there, hey, listen, especially if you're playing a lot of man cover, if that's what your your primary defense is, is man coverage, like Vance Joseph, oh my goodness, you can draft a rookie, you can come in and make an impact. Isn't that right, Marco Wilson? Or the edge. Line him up on the edge. Hey, get go rush the quarterback. We're giving you no responsibilities whatsoever. You go rush the quarterback. An edge guy can actually make an impact on a football team as well if he's a rookie. See, this is the more we talk about this and the more the receiver market dries up in free agency, and we read through some of the names yesterday. I mean, you, you might be able to find somebody out there, but it's not it's not what it was. When, when free agency started, when there was Juju Smith-Schuster or there was Marcus Valdez-Scantling or there was a bunch of guys. They're all in the Chiefs now, apparently. Now it's everybody has a question mark. Julio Jones, Will Fuller, Jarvis Landry might be the best guy out there. Emmanuel Sanders, A.J. Green is actually one of the higher-ranked receivers still out there. The more we talk about this, Wolf, the more I would almost prefer they go out and get somebody through free agency just to have an established vet, somebody that can play. Yeah. I mean, if you're really going to bring back A.J. Green, okay, but I want you to draft a receiver in the first round, too. There's so really? many good receivers. Because the more we talk yeah, about there this... there are. The receiver position, no doubt. There could be eight guys drafted in the first yeah. round. Yeah. Eight. And so, I mean, if you're ever going to get one, in theory, in theory, as long as you have Kyler Murray, you're not going to be picking in the top 10 to 15, right? In theory. Anything could happen. You could have injuries. But in theory... So this might be your best chance for the next couple of years to get a, a truly, potentially great receiver in the draft if you're picking 23rd like they are. It's not like you're going to go out and throw a bunch of money at some receiver that's out there in free agency because I don't think there's any big money guys left. So you may bring in a vet so you're not starting a rookie and Rondale Moore in week one. But if you're telling me I'm going out there and let's just use A.J. Green as the example because he's been linked back to the Cardinals and I'm going to have a healthy DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Rondale Moore because we don't totally know what they have in him yet and... Whoever from this draft, Chris Olave is the example we keep using. Maybe he won't be out there. Maybe it'll be Jamison Williams or Drake London or Traylon Burks or George Pickens or whoever. There's a lot of good receivers, like you said. Then I think I feel like you're setting yourself up for the future without mortgaging the present because the whole genesis of this conversation was your offense is the strength of this team. Yes. So you can't cut corners at wide receiver. No, you cannot. Um, yet at the same time, are you going to use a lot more 12 personnel? <laughs> I mean, that's what it comes well, down to. And I think they are. And that's something that we can get into as the show unfolds, because that to me is going to be their primary offense. Now, having said that, again, I would like to bring in a veteran receiver as well. Somebody that has been around. Just the the pickings are a little slim right now, Luke. Yeah. That That's kind of how I got to that. I think the more we do this, if you're telling me I can only get a receiver one way for the Cardinals at this point, 
I just kind of like to take one in the draft in the first round. You can't miss, obviously. But then my thought is, I kind of would like to have a vet around, right? I mean, injuries do happen in the NFL. <laughs> so it'd be nice to have more than just a rookie, Rondale Moore, Antoine Wesley, and DeAndre Hopkins as my receivers. I would, uh, you know what, if there's a guy that is there in number 23 who is an edge rusher, I'd be fine with that. Because again, an edge guy can make an impact immediately. You just always, every team has needs in the draft. It's crazy. Like, no matter how good you are, you always have like two or three needs at least in the draft with that first round pick. All right, coming up, the uh, the Spurs. <laughs> I don't know if everybody saw this. The Spurs have caught the LA Lakers for the final playoff spot. Not even playoff spot. Let me rephrase this. The final play-in spot. So could the Suns be the last team to have knocked LeBron James out of the playoffs going forward? It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.